0: When the guys asked me what my perfect night would be, I told them the truth. Beer and board games. They thought I was kidding. I was not kidding.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means It means that it is episode 138 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast I am one of your hosts, my name is Eric Walquist And joining me this week, as he does every week, is your other host
2: I am one of your hosts, Jesse Wilson
1: Jesse, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week Uh, I I am recording from Palm Springs, California I am on my honeymoon right now yeah, and, you are, uh, and I'm and I'm podcasting for all of our listeners, so I hope they appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, my wife hopes they appreciate I, that. <laughs>
2: yeah, if there's if if there is appreciation to be given, I think it should be to a man taking time out of his honeymoon to record a podcast for free.
1: For free for life. Well, you know, I wanted this podcast. I wanted this honeymoon to be about. Things that I enjoy doing. And, uh, <laughs> I enjoy your podcasting. Wife. I enjoy podcasting. Yes. Mainly my, mainly my <laughs> wife. I don't, this doesn't sound good. Maybe I should just hang up. <laughs> uh,
3: no.
1: <laughs> you're good. All right. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, Lydia, can, are you okay with the, the podcasting? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We have the vocal, uh, The vocal approval here. Okay, so in that vein, I would like... I you have that
2: sound clip saved,
1: Eric. (laughs) (laughs) I have numerous... I I built a soundboard so that I can prank call um, Lydia's mom with her voice. (laughs) That would be so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Only Only to the person, but that would be ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> Did you call me last night? No, I didn't call you. Um in yes. that vein In that vein I have to dedicate this week's episode to my wife, Lydia, for letting me not only podcast tonight, but podcast every week to all of our listeners. And she listens to all the shows. Mm-hmm. That's that was, a good dedication. It was actually that's that's one of the ways that I knew she liked me because right when we started getting to know each other she told me that she listened to my podcast and uh, she had been listening to a few of the back episodes and i was like oh she probably likes me then i better marry her yeah
2: seriously <laughs> because like when i talk to someone in person uh-huh who says i listen to your podcast my immediate reaction is like oh god no <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh damn it uh-oh 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 Uh, so anyway, this one goes out to my lovely wife, Lydia Snap. I guess her name's Lydia Walklist now, but I I love her. Lydia Snap Walklist. Lydia Snap Walklist. Um, so, uh, with that, Jesse, what are you drinking this week?
2: I am drinking a, uh, spring seasonal from Snoqualmie, Uh which is brewed in Snoqualmie. Uh, Washington, and it's the uh, Spring Fever Belgian style Grand Cru Ale, a Belgian style ale brewed with coriander.
1: Oh, coriander.
2: Right, and um, I've never had this one before, and I just went to. I actually just spilled it all over myself, so that's great. Oh, overflowing! Oh, gold!
1: (laughs) 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 I need a towel.
2: I think that. uh... Oh, dear God. I'll be right back. Fill fill the air. Okay.
1: So, ladies and gentlemen, just in case I need to recap that for you, what you were hearing was Jesse opening a bottle of beer, uh, having it begin to overflow, then he stuck his mouth over the top of it, uh, and then uh, breathed through his nose until the uh, (laughs) beer subsided, uh, and then he went to run and grab a towel um to wipe off the beer supposedly from himself and also from the table okay i'm back okay good uh (laughs) great job
2: uh yeah i i like it (laughs) it just uh it revolted against me
1: well that'll happen um
2: uh, overflowed all over me (laughs) now
1: i'm a sticky mess well, uh, I'm drinking uh, this week. I'm drinking tecate because I'm in Southern California, and uh, for yeah, Betty. For some reason, when you're in Seattle, tecate is ridiculously overpriced, but down here in SoCal, yeah. you could get a 30 pack of tecate for 18 bucks. So it's that basi- sounds about right. Yeah, it's basically the Rainier of uh, of the Southwest. And I love it. Put a little lime in it. It's a nice little. It's a refreshing cerveza when it's ninety degrees out.
2: Yeah, I actually have. uh, Since we're talking about it, let me flip to it real quick. I have Mm -hmm. the uh, latest issue of Bevnet, Mm. the Beverage Insider magazine, and they have Mm -hmm. some statistics on drink trends, including Tecate. It's going to take me a second to find. Oh, here, here we are. Okay. So, uh, an import beer. Dosecki's lager is up 33.98% over last year. Ah. Isn't that kind of crazy?
1: Yeah, I love Doseckies, dude.
2: And uh Takate is down by uh
1: 0.7%. Well, I think that I think that Dos Equis is is coming on Takate a little bit because uh I don't like paying a dollar a beer for Takate, but I don't mind paying a dollar a beer for Doseckies. So, yeah, up in Seattle, true. if they're the same price, I'm going with Dos Equis.
2: You know what's taking a real big hit, though? What? Is Labatt Blue well, down
1: 11%. That'll happen.
2: So, I guess it's a <laughs> battle between Mexico and Canada right now.
1: I guess so. It's just like the World Baseball Classic Brawl.
2: Uh, yeah, I heard about that. I didn't see that. It was
1: insane. That I, I was hoping I could talk to you about that because... Like, it made me think of our friends up in Edmonton, for the Hex 19 guys, because uh-huh. if you're so, you know, brawls happen in baseball, but usually it's like just a little pushing around and like they clear the benches, but basically everybody just stands there and looks at each other and maybe there's like a little tussle, but it's basically just broken up in the world baseball classic game between Canada and Mexico. It was an all out brawl. And I think that the thing that people need to keep in mind is that if you're going to start a fight, don't start a fight with Canadians because they all played hockey, which means that they know how to (laughs) fight. Like everybody in Canada plays hockey. Like everybody knows that fighting, they're just waiting for their next moment to punch somebody in the face. So the moment that the fight began, all of the Canadians just came out flailing and it turned into an all-out brawl. I've never seen a brawl like that in a baseball game.
2: That's hilarious. That's such a good point. I think that mm-hmm. the Toronto Blue Jays should be given one brawl, like <laughs> one <laughs> hockey-style fight per game. Yeah. One player on the Blue Jays team can pick one fight <laughs> once per game with the same rules of like a a, a, yeah. a hockey, hockey fight. Well,
1: instead of five for fighting, you get five five outs for fighting. You have to sit out for five outs.
2: <laughs> five outs. Oh, okay. Not not the team suffers five outs.
1: No, you do five outs. You you have to sit out for five outs. There you go. There you go. Solved. Problem solved. Eric,
2: how how much money do you think uh Corona Extra is worth in the last year?
1: Uh twelve point five million.
2: Uh one point one four billion with a
1: What?
2: B. Yep, that's the Number one exporter. Second to that is or import, import to the U.S. Second Ooh. to that is Heineken with $600 million. Well with Corona, far and away the leader with 1.1 1. 1 bilzo.
1: Well, that's why you should never ask me about your commodity trading. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move on to some listener feedback this week. We got some great emails, some great... We even got a voicemail this week we're very excited about. Um, and I want to start off with Joseph Hallett. Joseph is a guy... That Aaron and I met last year at PAX uh, when we had our Bald Move meetup. Then, and uh, he uh, he gave us some insight on our last show. He says I really like the Hobbit better than the trilogy as well. Not to diminish the, tri- the trilogy at all. I just love the Hobbit. He's on my side there. Uh, what do you think about sci-fi's series slash game starting in April called Defiance? You guys don't talk about m- much about MMORPGs. I am curious about it. I like the angle but building uh or binding T V entertainment and content with an RPG, I'd love to hear your insight. Um and we actually talked to the Defiance guys uh at last year's PAX. It seems like a cool idea. I just think it's super hard to pull it off.
2: Yeah, we'll see how they do in the execution. That being said though, like if they made like a mass effect show on the sci-fi channel
1: mm-hmm.
2: it would be hugely popular
1: oh yeah so you know this is i mean basically defiance is kind of like that i guess it's kind of like a alien invasion show um i mean <laughs> you know mass effect has a lot of things going for it than just alien invasion but uh um, right you know it's sci-fi aliens uh and apparently you know you'd be playing a game and Choices that people make in the MMORPG will affect the plot of the show. That's the whole kind of uh, point behind it. Um, right. You know, it sounds like a cool thing. Um, I, you know, I think integrated, t- integrated, um, integrated storytelling where viewers get to choose the paths of, of how things turn out. You know, a lot of time that gets really railroaded. Um, and probably for good reason, you know. There is a reason why there are storytellers because they have these stories and they want to tell them their own way. Um, and uh, the public doesn't always have the best insight on how a story should be told. Um, but at the same time, this is sci-fi, so they don't exactly have like a strong track record that they're going to uh, diminish. I mean, they have, whoa they they have Battle Bird actuality.
2: on Return to Raptor Island.
1: Well, Return to Raptor Island. I mean, they can't all be that. You know, (laughs) uh, Return to the Raptor Island Two,
2: Return to Return to Raptor (laughs) Island. That was excellent.
1: The Return to Raptor Island franchise is one of those things that only comes along once in a generation. You know, I think I've heard I've heard multiple times that Return to Raptor Island is the Michael Jackson of our time, and I can't dispute that. But the rest (laughs) of what's been happening with sci-fi, they're trying to fill the whole Battlestar Galactica. Um, and, you know, Cable's a place that is getting a lot of cred lately, so if they could pull this off, you might see more stuff like this in the future. We'll see how it goes.
2: I think the first move that fi needs to do is to change their name back to Fi instead of Siffy. Yeah. I hate that so much. That S-Y-F-Y is so stupid. Why would you do that? That I was th- such a, just a brain-dead <laughs> corporate move that has no substance, and it was just done to, like, shake things up.
1: I think that they need to change the name in in honor of Gangnam Style to P-S-I-F-I, or P-S-Y-F-Y, whatever. You get the joke. Uh-huh. I'm on vacation. <laughs> you, you get the joke. You get the joke. You'd be a great stand-up comedian. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's the you-get-the-joke guy. Um. <laughs> all right, and then uh, we also got an email from Mark Crone, or Crane? Uh, All the way from Australia. Now, Mark did write us. He told us he was from Australia, and he didn't send us a voicemail, which means I have to read this in an Australian accent, but Mm -hmm. this is a great email, and it literally brought a tear to my eye. So, here we go. Here's Mark. G'day, Personal Arrogance Boys. Mark, everyone calls me Crunchy from South Australia here, wanted to say great podcast lads, had a and I have a couple of recos that you might find interesting. I'm a geek dad of three kids, eight, six, and two years old, and have recently taken inspiration from your discussions to start nerding it up with them. This Christmas, Santa brought my eight-year-old son and I magic cards, and we have been learning the game together, on the back of you guys talking up the game so much. So far, we have not made our own decks, Just keep it six store bot decks from 2013 core set, and I find the results are pretty even, which makes it fun for both of us. We use an iPad app called Magic's Little Helper to keep uh, all the game scores for us, no dice or pencils needed, but it also keeps the match statistics, so it's interesting to see that we played each other 30 times for exactly 15 wins each. It's been great fun playing Magic with my son and seeing his imagination blow up over different monsters, tactics, and such. It has even helped improve his reading and simple maths. I have also recently started listening to a podcast called Nerd Poker, which I think you guys have mentioned before. Having never played Dungeons & Dragons before, I was a little skeptical, but these guys are bloody funny, and I really enjoy this cast. Because of this, I decided to try and introduce D&D to my two eldest kids, and after a bit of web searching, came across a product called Hero Kids. This is a D and D style game specifically designed for young children between five and ten. The rules have been modified to make it easy for children to understand and have fun with. The hero characters are great, and the stories are very enjoyable, but also made to work with kids' attention span. No special dice needed. It's been designed to work with six-sided dice, so just raid the kids' Yahtzee game and you're set. I brought the. Ultimate. I bought the Ultimate PDF Bundle, which costs only $12 and contains a core rule set as well as five separate story adventures ready to play that increase in difficulty and complexity so that it improves the game as your kids gain experience. The, ga- the adventure comes with storylines, pre-drawn maps, hero and monster cards, and all the instructions to DM, but also allows you to run riot yourself if you're an adventurous DM or if your kids really get into it. I had never played D&D, let alone DM'd one, and I found it really easy to do. The kids and I have played three of the five adventures so far, and they are having a blast with the different characters and situations. Their imagination is endless. My five-year-old daughter woke me up yesterday morning with a, Good morning, Daddy. Can we play Hero Kids? My wife is a little worried about the violence. So we don't kill anything, we just have the monsters run away when they're beaten. I could not recommend this project enough for my geek dads trying to try D&D with their kids. Get off my back, mates. That is so great. Crunchy Crone from South Australia. Thank you so much. I think that's so sweet.
2: Uh is super sweet i have several things to say first eric uh you do a really good australian accent
1: well i have been listening to your mom for uh you know <laughs> that sounds that wasn't that's not a your mom joke his mom's actually australian and they've hung yeah. out with her multiple times
2: i know i i mean i've been <laughs> listening to her for at least as long i would say yes <laughs> but my australian accent is bad two well. i think it's awesome that uh you've been able to play magic and have a 50-50 win ratio yeah. with 15 wins each that's really cool and that speaks to the balanced nature of the core sets versus you know when you get into like the spending a lot of money
1: on booster packs exactly
2: and that kind of thing and then also i'm i really like this hero kids project i'm yeah. definitely going to have to look into this cuz I know that I, I really want to play D and D with my daughter and her friends. And I, like, I was already thinking of a way that I could like scale down D and D to a spare basics mm-hmm. and play it in a, a much more easy and fun for younger kids, you know, kind of format. So this is cool to know that there's this thing out there that I'll definitely have to check out. And it seems really cheap also, which is a bonus.
1: Yeah. And I,
2: I, I... and, uh, that's cool. Like, the idea, if if someday my daughter woke me up and was like, can we play D&D or can we play Hero Kids, that would just make my entire life. I'd be know. like, fuck yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. You gotta be kidding me. That's exactly what I want to do, Elsa. That, Let's it, do that.
1: It's just amazing. Like, I really, like, I got so heartwarmed from this email. Uh, first of yeah, all, he started playing so Magic cool. with his son because he heard us talking about it. And... And that he's 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 engaging his kids in nerddom because if nerds are cool now, imagine how cool nerds are going to be in ten years, right?
2: Mm, I don't know. I, I, it's cyclical nature. It, there's
1: no there's no cyclical nature in nerds. Nerds <laughs> is an upward graph, and then eventually <laughs> everyone will be a nerd, and D and D will be taught in schools.
2: You've been working in the corporate world, dialogue. <laughs>
1: recess will be indoors in 10 years <laughs> there will be no there will be no outdoor play um but that was really nice crunchy thank you so much feel free to write in any Crunchy. good yeah. on you mate good Aye. on you mate oh oi there um, as
2: cool ass waltz and matilda and all that i
1: <laughs> jesse you're not that bad um <laughs> and then we also got a phone call this week uh spoiler from germany but we're not going to do that right now because i'm in palm springs i don't have any trivia with me and we need to get on with the show so that's going to be our break jesse do you have a d20 handy
2: uh i will real quick okay thanks dnd dice (laughs) which is not a real website
1: not (laughs) really a real website um so uh so we're each gonna roll, roll a twenty-sided die. We're gonna do our little tiny mat roll off. Whoever rolls the highest gets to speak first on the cash, Jesse. Are you ready?
2: Yes, sir. I rolled a fourteen.
1: I rolled an eighteen. What? I'm on a roll, buddy. Last week Apparently. I rolled a nineteen. So the I am week before tr- that you rolled a one. I am trending downward at this point, but uh but try to beat a seventeen next week, J Dog. All right. Well so- I'll I'll work on it. So my, rec- uh, my recommendation My first uh, <laughs> I'm just jumping to the <laughs> end of the show cast. And that's the show uh, So my first topic this week is going to be About uh, movies Do you know what Nemesis means? And it's also going to be about theme parks. Uh, so ooh, ooh. yesterday I went to Disneyland. Uh, for my honeymoon? It was super fun. Was awesome. uh, I rode the Matterhorn. I did Pirates of the you Caribbean. Have. Um, did you did the Indie? I did Indie Fast past cool. Indie, which is the only way to do it because otherwise you're going to be in line for anywhere from s- th- during the day. It ranged from seventy-five minutes to a hundred and ten minutes for Indiana Jones line.
2: Yikes! Did you do Haunted Mansion?
1: We did not do Haunted Mansion. We uh, we skipped on the honey ma- on the Haunted Mansion, but we did do Mister Toad's Wild Ride. And, oh, classic! Yeah, and we did Space Mountain, and Lydia had never ridden Space Mountain before because it had always been closed uh, when oh, she exciting. was there. So Space Mountain's amazing. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was closed, which was a little bit of a disappointment. What? But... That sucks. Yeah, close to fall. Eric,
2: you do the best impersonation.
1: Keep your hands and arms inside the uh, thing inside the <laughs> inside the ride inside the car. Well, you just you yeah. Know it. yeah. Well, you set me up, really. <laughs> I'm set sorry. Normally,
2: you no... can pull that out of the out of the bag. No worries. There's
1: no way that I could follow up that kind of intro. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> is it inside the cart? Eric, you do the. Best small world.
1: <laughs> yeah, me, Papa. It's just a. That's it's every language. That's my Esperanto. Um. Anyway. <laughs> um. Uh. Anyway, so I went to Disneyland yesterday, and the thing that struck me the most uh, was the propensity. The propensity of Star Wars that has now just engulfed Disneyland. So first of all, you know, it's Disneyland itself is just a merchandising like it's a, it's a case study in merchandising gone uh, right. You know, I mean, they're pulling down so much money in there. And you could buy everything from a Mickey Mouse swimsuit to a pin that has Minnie Mouse dressed up as Princess Leia on it. Like you I choose butt.
2: to believe that the Mickey Mouse swimsuit is for women, and it has Mickey Mouse's face like <laughs> over the the crotch area, right. and then each ear over each boob. Yeah,
1: it's got long ears. That would be excellent. That's the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit um, bathing suit, actually. <laughs> um, but, uh, but lucky indeed. But they have they have a bunch of these, you know, the Mickey Mouse ears hats, and like the one that I saw the most of there, and this was on from kids that were, like, four years old to, like, adults, middle-aged men was one that's R2-D2's head with two Mickey ears on it. Uh um, oh. It's, like, everywhere. And uh, we talked about it right when it... Dude, that's a collector's item. Well, yeah, I guess, technically. But there's quite I a mean, few of them out there.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, th- that's cool because, I mean, Disney just picked up Star Wars. Right, right.
1: But they've always had so... Star Tours there.
2: That's true, but I feel like this is a special era. Yeah.
1: Well, this is the whole thing. It's a
2: symbolic gesture.
1: Yeah, I talked about about this when it came out. It was probably a year ago or so. um, When they revamped Star Tours. And uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, Star Tours is basically a Star Wars-themed simulator ride where you got in a simulator. It used to be you got in a simulator... And you'd go through this story, and you'd fly through the Death Star, and it was all re- very fun. But this, about a year ago, they decided they were going to revamp it, the ride. And instead of having one story that you went through, that, now there's like 40 different story combinations that you can fly through. And it's also Ooh. in 3D. And I have to say, they nailed it. It is awesome. It is like the greatest thing. The first time that I wrote on it... um, I couldn't stop smiling, like from ear to ear. It was so cool. Like, not only does the three D three D get pulled off really great, but um, it used to be they had like this own this little droid that they invented who flew the ship. Now it's straight up C three PO. So it's like a full on animatronic C three PO. And you know what an animatronic C three PO looks like? C three PO. Like a real C three PO. Yes, it looks exactly like C three PO. So it's awesome. You're in the room with them, and the first time that we rode it, we pop up. Darth Vader shows up right away, puts our ship in a force, like, lock, and it was so cool to be in that ship, and he's moving his hand around, like, back and forth, and you're basically being controlled by Darth Vader. Like, your ship is being shaken back and forth by Darth Vader's hand, and it feels amazing. Like, it feels real. Like, did such a good job with the simulation. So then you break out of that. Then we went to Hoth. We're in the Hoth battle. Um... You know, we we flew under the uh, the ATST as it was as it was dropping, as it was being uh, you know wrapped up and tripped, and then we like fell down this glacier, which was awesome, and then we transported off to Naboo, and then we went down into we like basically fell out of the sky into the um, into the water, went down to the Gun Gun City, tried to pass through the planet's core, got caught in a sea monster's mouth, all in three D then got spit out on the other side landed in abu and that was the ride it was so cool it, it was like see there there are continu- there are continuity errors but
2: uh <laughs> well here here <laughs> here's the dangerous thing though uh-huh is that uh, and i i've seen people and I, I can't articulate it as well as other people have just commenting how um I guess you can't even blame George Lucas for it anymore, but how the original series is being co-opted is just another part of the greater, uh-huh. you know, Star Wars universe, yeah. whereas it it should be 90%, and then you should look at the 10% of other stuff. And maybe uh-huh. that's how it is, because you just kind of end up on Naboo, but it's weird that they even, like, uh, decide to shove naboo into it. Like if I was there with my daughter which is a little bit older, when I got off that ride I'd be <laughs> like, remember that that last part never happened.
1: <laughs> well, that's I, made up. I, was, I don't
2: remember that part.
1: <laughs> I was talking about how much I enjoyed being in the in the force grip of Darth Vader, but uh-huh. my favorite part of the ride was when we got stuck in the sea monster's mouth. It was so oh. cool. They had the simulation done so well like you really felt like you were stuck in the mouth he was like shaking his head back and forth plus it's in 3D he's right in your face it was so well done like
2: if only there were a moment in the original series where you, uh, the main characters got eaten by a giant monster
1: yeah well that Oh could wait st-
2: it's called the, the asteroid belt <laughs> when that exact <laughs> yes. same thing happened that they could have done that instead
1: and that might be the right at some point yeah, I I only wrote it twice. The second time <laughs> I, I thought
2: you got all fifty experience. Yeah, I got
1: all fifty. I just did that all day. Um, and yeah. then the second time, you know, we were standing in line and we were like, "What? Where, where do you? Where do you hope we go next?" And I was like, "Well, you know, it'd be cool to go to Endor, uh, do some racing through the trees. That would be cool." Um, and then Lydia's like, "Well, I hope we get to go pod racing." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that would actually be super cool to go pod racing." And guess and what? And you're like,
2: psych, you get to go podcasting. Instead.
1: <laughs> exactly. Happy but, honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? We did get to go pod racing in the next one. It was so cool. Like, you know, the pod racing scene is probably the only good thing from episode one. But yeah. it was so awesome to go pod racing on Tatooine. And they have like Sebulba and his racer. And he like throws a wrench at you. And like, it was so cool. And then we get uh, shot into an asteroid belt where we're being hunted by Boba Fett and Slave One. He's like shooting uh, Sonic uh, mines at us. And then uh, we fly through the uh, being constructed Death Star from Return of the Jedi. We fly through the core like at the end of that movie when Lando flies through the core in the Millennium Falcon. It was so cool. They nailed this ride so well. Um and it really made me think because I was thinking back to a Slash Film article, which was posted about a week ago, where they were talking that they were pulling people at Disneyland as to whether or not they would go to a Star Wars Land theme park.
2: Oh, yeah, baby. Yes. So. That's our trench run.
1: Exactly.
2: That's the ride. I'm going up first.
1: <laughs> Stay on target. Um,
2: <laughs> you. You worry about those fighters. I'll worry about the towers. <laughs> I think I got that backwards. Dude, that Stay wouldn't... on target.
1: Okay, so we have to... Before we get into this, Jesse, so there's a couple things here. First of all, they could do... Nips on Perkins. Okay, good. Uh, for... ah! <laughs> First of all, they could always just make, you know, convert like Tomorrowland into Star Wars land. Or they could convert some... Part of California Adventure in the Star Wars Land, that could they could do mm. that, or they, they could
2: should convert an entire part of California.
1: Yes, into oh, Star Wars Lucas land. Ranch. uh They got that oh, too in the deal. My God, they? Eric!
2: Imagine if they they did this, uh-huh. and there was uh the dust, the the uh, Tatooine canti- Cantina that you could go and like buy drinks at.
1: Yes, Jesse. We're getting ahead How... of ourselves here. We're getting okay. ahead of ourselves. We Bye. will talk about this. I'm as excited as you are. (laughs) Would you rather have it be kind of a small part of Disneyland, like its own land? um, And, like, we literally rode every ride in Tomorrowland. Uh, So, you know, there's only, like, five rides in Tomorrowland, right? Or would you rather have it be its own theme park?
2: Definitely, definitely its own theme park. Yeah. And that theme park should be... In Port Townsend, Washington. The perfect city for it.
1: The perfect. Now, that's where the Twilight theme park's going to be. Uh, oh, you're right. Yeah.
2: Damn. <laughs> Damn. Uh,
1: so, all right. So, then, if this is going to be a Disneyland-style theme park, Jesse, so, obviously, we've already talked about We have to have a Tatooine. And we have yeah. to have Mos Eisley Cantina.
2: That, that should be most of the park, I think, is Tatooine. Because, as yeah. I mentioned before, Tatooine is the most fleshed-out it is. Planet in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It has a lot of diversity, diversity of different subcultures. You have uh, Jawa land. You got mm-hmm. the Tuscan Valley. Right. Where all the Italian food is. Right. You got Moss Eisley. Mm-hmm. You got the uh, uh, Palace. Moisture Evaporator
1: yep.
2: uh, Farm. You got Java's Palace. Sarlacc
1: so like Pit. Yeah, then sort of like if it. you want to go to the well, original,
2: soul
1: <laughs> And then, if you want to go to the original trilogy, you also have most, is it most uh, Espen? Most, what was it? Most something?
2: Most Eisley.
1: No, there was most Eisley, and then there was no- another most. It's... I want to say most Bespin, but that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, there was another most. In the most... Original, maybe? No, in in episode one, and then uh um... oh. and then you have the pod racing, as well.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's unregulated. You bring whatever you want to race. <laughs> There's no laws. Just bring what you want to race and race it. Pod racing. Just
1: bring it. Just bring it. Um. So, what are the other lands that we would need?
2: Mm. Well, obviously, you know, you got your hoth, your endor, mm-hmm. possibly your yavin four, but I feel like you could maybe merge that into endor because it's basically <laughs> the same land.
1: Yeah. Your Cloud
2: city. Your Cloud City, you could have, like, gambling and stuff. Because Cloud City, I feel like, was actually kind of like a destination place.
1: Yeah, it's a resort town.
2: It's definitely a resort town. I think there would be gambling there. Sabak playing mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, and then you have Death Star Land. Mm-hmm. Which is all buttoned down and formal. But, I mean, you could play, <laughs> uh, try and shoot the Wookiee from 10 meters away. It's harder than you think.
1: So... Jesse, this is the other part you of can this. Play is cheap like
2: to the trash chute.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: trash
1: well, let's see, this is the other part of this. Is like if they really wanted to do this on the cheap, and if they wanted to make an entire park into uh, into uh, Star Wars land, then why don't they just convert Disneyland into Star Wars land, and then you could just repurpose the rides, basically update the mm-hmm. skins, right? So mm-hmm. of course you could leave Star Tours. You know, Space Mountain could easily be turned into, you know, into a star, star Wars theme. Basically, the, the only thing the only thing they need to change is the line for that for that ride. They just need <laughs> to like update the the stuff that turns on the screens. Right, and it's a Star Wars line. Uh-huh. Um,
2: oh, uh, a Splash Mountain could uh-huh. be the uh, aforementioned Jet Porkins. Yeah, you know, the X wing <laughs> pilot is too fat and crashes into the Death Star.
1: <laughs> That's oh, What was that guy's first name?
2: I think it's Jet.
1: Jet. It could be, or be...
2: maybe J E K. Jack.
1: Oh, it could be Jack. Mountain. But his
2: his last name is Best because it's Porkins. Yes. The one fat guy <laughs> besides Job of the Hut. His name is Porkins. Yeah,
1: Porkins Mountain. Yeah, and then I mean, the Matterhorn <laughs> is obviously that could be like your Hoth. Hoth. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Sled. That's. You just...
2: That, that's your snow speeder, right? You know, I, it, it actually makes circular motion. So just put a big ATAT in the middle of it.
1: Exactly. Or you could, you know, replace the Yeti with the, The um, Wampa, with the Wampa, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's big Thunder Mountain Railroad. That could be your pod. That could be your pod racing mm-hmm. uh, roller coaster.
2: The teacups would mm-hmm. be, you know, when. Uh, Darth Vader gets like hit by uh, Han Solo and like spirals out of control. Exactly. Out of, yeah. Out of the Death Star trench.
1: Just put them in the. Just turn them into Tie Fighters.
2: Yeah, the Tie Fighter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time you're spinning, all you hear is "roo, no! no! <laughs> Actually, I think that Adventureland would have to be Ewok Town, because um, they were, they already have the treehouse.
2: Oh, is that the Robinson Crusoe one?
1: Well, now it's the Tarzan Treehouse. Yeah. They repurposed it. So repurpose <laughs> it again, D-Land.
2: Repurposing. All
1: right. Regardless, Disneyland is awesome. It was very fun. And yes, they need to do Star Wars Land. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what's your first topic this week?
2: Uh, well, for my first topic... Uh, we can decide where we are in time, but Uh normally, uh, normally we decide, uh, we talk about our week and there's just a couple things I actually wanted to uh, talk about that happened to me this week.
1: All right, let's hear it.
2: So, uh, for the first thing I gave myself a haircut,
1: you gave yourself a haircut.
2: Uh huh. I bought clippers off Mm amazon.com and, uh, I cut my own hair
1: and it actually,
2: it turned out pretty well.
1: Did you use a mirror?
2: Yes, I I, I did use a mirror. <laughs>
1: that might have been the dumbest question I ever asked. Um, <laughs> did Tasha help you, or did you do it by yourself?
2: Uh, she only helped me with like the final touches, for, but for Ooh. the most part, I did it by myself. So I don't know. That was kind of fun, but the thing is,
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, it came with these taper combs guide things, so like. <laughs> You can uh, taper your own hair to, like, one swipe or whatever. When I
1: heard taper, I, heard, I thought T-A-P-I-R, and they were, like, combs that you use on a taper, like the animal the taper.
2: <laughs> well, it did come with that. Tapers left to But it also came with the other thing. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, I only used it for a split second because it, like, kind of gouged my hair and looked awful. Uh-huh. And it left, like, these three stripes, and now I look like Brian Bosworth.
1: <laughs> Excellent. You got yeah, the Bosworth so, package.
2: Yeah, exactly. I got the Bra- Bosworth pack. And uh, speaking of Seahawks football, the other thing that happened to me this week is mm-hmm. I I uh, put on Madden, Madden 13 for the first time in a while. Yep. I probably haven't played this game in like eight months, so it, like downloaded all the new rosters and stuff. Uh-huh. And it, it updates your players based on their performance in the season. So I got oh. like the, the post-season uh, – Seahawks yeah. and uh basically the Seahawks are unstoppable.
1: <laughs> well Marshall Lynch in that game was always unstoppable.
2: Dude, he's even more unstoppable now. Yeah. And like uh, I like I played I just like Threw it on real quick and did like an exhibition match against the Rams. And Sam Bradford's first throw was a pick six. <laughs> it was, <insane. laughs>
1: was it? Was it Sherman or? or it Tom? was Sherman. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome.
2: And I went like thirty-seven-three. <laughs> it was crazy. Just so, so you could
1: finally win in Madden.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Seahawks are doing good,
1: dude. That's so. That's so funny that the Seahawks. That's another great. The great thing about being a Hawks fan. Is that the Seahawks are so good that they made their crappy team better in Madden?
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because they were not good at the beginning. No, they were awful. Of course.
1: You used have Sherman and Browner, two guys that weren't. I guess Browner went to the Pro Bowl the year before, but they weren't like totally like the greatest quarters in the league. And then a a brand new rookie quarterback and (laughs) like, did they even start Russell Wilson at the at the beginning of that game, or was Matt Flynn already penciled in?
2: Yeah, it was Mathlin. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway, uh, I just want to get that off my chest and mm-hmm. I'll jump to my first topic right now and mm-hmm. I want to talk about science. If today
0: we're able to create a two headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes.
2: Yeah. So, um, last week we talked about animals, mm-hmm. and that went over Pretty Gangbusters. We got some uh, pretty good feedback about that. So, there's another cool animal science-related thing that I think you'll be interested in, Eric.
1: That's good. Uh, literally, I think last week's topic about whales and cephalopods is my favorite topic we've ever done on this show.
2: <laughs> well, it you know, great. I'm not trying to top it. Okay. Um, but... Something cool is happening in the world of bees. All right. Which and bees might be the most underrated animal on Earth. Why? Because um, they're helpful. They pollinate like everything. Mm-hmm. Every fauna, mm-hmm. flora. Sorry, every flora is pollinated by bees for the most part. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's a horrible generalization. Overgeneralization. But they definitely help with, you know, our friends known as plants. And they make sweet honey, the only non-perishable food on Earth.
1: Right. And and, with, and without honey, we wouldn't have the uh, term of endearment honey, which is their <laughs> contribution to uh, the pollination of humanity as well. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately,
2: bees have been bastardized by their shitty cousins, wasps.
1: Oh, wasps are the worst.
2: Which do nothing but hurt you.
1: Exactly. They're the wolves of make... the air.
2: Yeah. And they suck. So, but, um, what we're learning about bees is that they might be using electrical fields to communicate to each other. Excellent. And essentially, you know, they're flying around mm-hmm. and just by the laws of static electricity, they build up a lot of, uh, well, static electricity. Mm hmm. Um, by, you know, Energy just generated from hitting other molecules and such, but they're, they're covered in a wax appropriately, and yep. uh so the the energy doesn't like absorb into them. They just kind of are charged up with it on their outsides, and the only part of them that's receptive to it is like their something at the base of their antenna. So, they can use this energy to, like, zap each other with antenna and communicate (laughs) with it somehow.
1: That's crazy. So, they're using, like, weird electrical fields? Electrical fields? Yeah, let me read this.
2: And this comes from ScienceMag.org, which I'm assuming is a legit site (laughs) with a name like ScienceMag.org. Of course. What they found out is that the electrical charges can cause the antennas to bend and um i i what what they're suggesting is that this bending like kind of uh correlates with some sensory sensory cells that they're using t- for location weird yeah so basically a guy like a bee flies around and charges up and then can use that electricity To bend another bee's antennas to direct them the way that they need
1: to go. What? I don't like that.
2: I like it a lot.
1: (laughs) It freaks me out.
2: Well, like I said, bees are our bros. Bees are cool. Mm -hmm. Wasps and hornets, those are what suck.
1: So you don't think wasps and hornets do this as well?
2: I'm guessing not, because they don't do anything cool.
1: (laughs) This is the craziest thing to me about it bugs because bugs don't give a shit about us as humans like they i'm sure that they don't have any real awareness that we're around i mean i mm-hmm. guess mosquitoes have some awareness that we're like blood capsules so <laughs> that you know we're blood buffets um uh but i i really think like if i were a bug i would like have no idea that humans even exist I basically live in this weird world where I have all of these senses that we as humans can't even comprehend. Like, you know, there's this thing, there's this talk about like uh, ants, you know, can like communicate to each other through antenna or whatever. Like, what are antenna? Like, nobody know. like, how, how you can't even fathom what it's like to have antenna on your head. You know?
2: Yeah, I find it hard to believe though, because like... I think we've all been that, like, barefoot kid playing, mm-hmm. you know, T-ball when a freaking, like, honeybee rolls up on you and is just, like, staring you down and looking at you. And, like, they'll, like, kind of follow you around a little bit. I mean, that that bee's aware of you and I, trying to figure out what
1: you're about. I think that there's something – I think that they – there's there's an awareness that you are something that they have picked up on. Like, there's some kind of – Maybe sweetness, maybe you were eating a watermelon, and it's on your face or something, and that's what they're smelling, but I don't think that they're like, "Oh, this is a human being Here's this...
2: why I think you're wrong, Eric okay because as, in the case of bees uh-huh they have they have one defense, which is their stinger all right, but that stinger is uh is a one use item, it's barbed, right and uh if they sting you with it they're gonna die yep because you know they'll sting you with it it's barbed and they'll tear their guts out trying to fly away Mm -hmm. i know because i've had it happen i've been on the receiving end of that right which to me suggests that they have to be able to comprehend what is and is not a threat i mean if every time they were like picking up on a scent like oh that that's something uh mm-hmm. i i need to attack it and kill it and it turns out it's a tree <laughs> then they're all going to die your entire colony is dead they need to be able to well, be aware of and assess threats
1: yeah and this is the interesting thing like they're not even assessing the threat to themselves cuz they're kamikaze pilots they are they're, they're t-
2: assessing the threat to the queen to
1: the hive
3: mhm
1: yeah this is interesting i don't know though i mean i think they i think they have an awareness of animals in general but like it's just interesting to me because, like, you know, a bug gets caught in your house and has no idea what's going on. It's <laughs> just all, freaking out. Well, what
2: throws it for a loop is the window.
1: Yeah, the window Because <laughs> it's like, I up. should be
2: there because I just told myself to, like, move six inches forward, but uh, it's not working. It I can get slammed on something. Yeah. <laughs> I am freaked out. The I don't other, like this.
1: The other crazy thing about being a bug is this, like, periodically, like, you just get stepped on. And that's the end. (laughs) Yeah, that does suck. Like, the night, like, you're just crawling around. Like, can you imagine just, like, walking from point A to point B, and then all of a sudden it's just over? Like, you're like, I'm going to walk across the room. Nope. Done.
2: Yeah, that's called the risk you take any time you drive on the highway. Well,
1: that's true, but I think it's a little higher for if you're inside someone's home. That's the other thing, is, like, there's such a murderous intent for humans, against bugs. (laughs) It's just like, all right, just kill it. Just, yeah. just, End that life right that's now. That's
2: sucks. But like, bees are our helpers in this world, and uh, yeah. I don't know if if I can just save the life of one honeybee, Eric. Then I've done enough. Then I've done enough.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, bees are one of the only bugs that I that I don't try to kill. Because mm. they try have... and kill
2: ladybugs.
1: No, I don't try to kill ladybugs.
2: You try and kill every praying mantis you see.
1: I do. I hate pregnancy. (laughs) Freak me out. They are freaky, man. Wait, are you serious? Yes, I'm not a huge bug fan.
2: They're so cool.
1: Oh, God. And they have wings. Bugs
2: are fine. I'll let bugs crawl on me all day long. I don't care.
1: I cannot handle it. I could not handle it. Like, the fear factor, that's the thing that always throws me the most, is, like, when they're covered in bugs. Or they have to eat it. Like, the eating the cave spider was, like, the worst thing I've ever seen on there. Well,
2: eating bugs is different than touching bugs.
1: Yeah, and, and like, you have to eat them alive. Anyway. Yeah,
2: that's weird. Anyway. I wouldn't even want to eat ladybugs.
1: I mean, I... But, like, a bee, there's it's always, like, we'll trap it and then get it outside. That's, like, mm. your thing with a bee. But, basically, any other bug, I'm just like, you're dead. You yeah. You went in the wrong house, bud. bug bug (laughs) yeah so
2: anyway maybe maybe these uh bees are able to communicate with electricity which i think would be cool
1: that would be pretty sweet they're
2: communicating somehow because they build these magnificent hives in using teamwork it's not like one random bee goes out and builds a beehive you know it's a collaborative effort and it somehow It comes together better than anything humans can do. Basically, if you tell two humans to work together on the same task, (laughs) it's going to get fucked up somehow. It really is. Yeah, like 10,000 bees are able to build these giant beehives. They're like, uh, they're perfect, you know?
1: Hundreds of thousands of symmetrical cells.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, they all fit together perfectly. Yeah. But then if you tell, like, an electrician and a plumber to work together. It's like I thought I could just uh, go through that yeah. blueberry two by four with this pl- with this with uh, this lead pipe, and then the <laughs> electrician's like, "Why are you even using lead?" <laughs> that's, that's how that goes.
1: That is how that goes. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, the other part about this Jesse is we do we also use electrical fields to communicate. In fact, we're doing that right now. Uh, you're in Port Townsend, <laughs> i would in... Palm Springs, and for some reason you and I can talk to each other, really with no problem at all.
2: Well, I'm not trying to say that bees are more advanced than humans. <laughs> uh, well,
1: Jesse, this is obviously your argument, and your argument is moot.
2: Oh, dang. Yeah. Well, we should move on then.
1: Alright, let's move on to our uh, voicemail this week from uh, our very own Dennis Kleinbeck. German correspondent, D. Klein. Uh, oh, that's, that's a cool name. That should be your rapper name, dude. <laughs> Declined, yeah, totally. You just got declined. Your career's on the decline. Well, it's not. Mm-hmm. Even, it hasn't even inclined yet.
2: Well, not not Dennis's. Oh, okay. That's that's what he says to other. Oh, artists. that's his
1: trash talk. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is uh, Dennis's uh, voicemail from this week.
3: Hey, Ruggins, just popped open a beer and thought this is the perfect time to send you a voicemail. So, um. Yeah, since you l- talked about him in your last cast, what is your favorite uh, story by H.P. Lovecraft? Um, I have to go with Shadow of Innsmouth, because I think um, it's his most intense um, story. But I also like um, his short story um, The Music by of Erich Zahn. It's very nice. Um, yeah, so... Um, Nice, uh, nice, um uh, accent by, a work by, uh, Eric two, two or three casts ago. Um, <laughs> I really la- laughed my ass off. Um, yeah, so, have a nice week, um, have a great cast, and, yeah, stay arrogant. Get off my back.
1: Get off my back, Dennis. Get off my back. Get off my back. Uh, sorry, I was playing that on iTunes. Um. Anyway, uh, so Jesse, what? so you're the expert here. I'm I am I'm a little bit of a poser when it comes to H.P. Lovecraft. I love Lovecraftian things. I love Arkham Horror. I love the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I've read Call of Cthulhu the story, but I am not the uh, Lovecraftian uh, scholar that you are because you poured through those books. So what's mm-hmm. your favorite uh, Lovecraft uh, story, J-Dog? Uh,
2: I really like the rats in the role... The rats in the wall, which is about a guy who's like staying in this creepy house, and there's rats in the wall that kind of take it over. And there's another one I forget the. Excuse me, I, I forget the name of it, but uh, it's about these two grave robbers, but uh-huh. they don't rob graves for the uh, for the loot. They do it for kind of the poetic nature of it all so they'll only rob a grave when you know the perfect full moon is out and if it's the perfect grave of like this interesting person and they're looking for like a specific thing and uh like the people are not so much about just getting money they're about getting like this kind of i don't know poetic Mm -hmm. scene set up so that's a real interesting one and then one of their grave robbings comes back literally to haunt them. <laughs> but I I do actually have to agree with Dennis. Uh Shadow over Innsmouth is probably my favorite one. Uh it involves the Innsmouth look and uh like these fish monsters and it it, it is really intense and uh it's the only time in my life that I've ever had a nightmare where I literally shot up in bed like gasping was because <laughs> The night before, I read that book, and then I had this super graphic uh, nightmare about me being in, like, this underwater world with, like, octopi attacking me. And Then one was, like, shooting right at my face, like, to suffocate me. And At that moment, like, I shot up in bed. It was like, ah!
1: jeez. Jeez.
2: <laughs> so, like, I had a total reaction to that, so... I actually have to agree with Dennis that shadow Shadow over His Mouth is probably my favorite
1: Lovecraft story. Excellent. Well, uh, was that was the grave robbing one? Is it called The Hound? What I I ones?
2: wouldn't know. I I read so much Lovecraft stuff at the same time that I can't really remember. Mm. It all kind of blends together.
1: All right. Um. Well, cool, man. Uh. So, Dennis, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate you calling in so I didn't have to do my German accent this week, but we're very happy that you enjoyed it, because you are the ultimate uh, judge for that. Um, And, Jesse, it's now time to move on. My second topic this week is going to be, uh, we have a special guest on the show, so uh, let's go ahead and bring him in. Here is our guest. This year, Jesse, we talked about this on the podcast last week. Um, we did. We weren't able to make it out to the East Coast to be a part of PAX East, but uh, luckily right. uh, one of our extraordinarily awesome listeners made it out there, asked us for some advice. We gave him some advice, and now we want to see how it all shook out. So I would like to welcome to the podcast, uh, for the first time as a guest, um, John O'Brien. John, how are you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Great. Um doing well. So, John, this was your first Pax East, correct? Yes, first Pax experience at all. First Pax experience ever. And and did you follow any of our advice yep. that we gave you from last uh from last episode? Um I tried. I didn't plan too much just cuz I was only
0: going for the one day and uh-huh. I wasn't sure how full all the uh
1: panels would be yeah that's always so, hit and miss were, i, were there I made it to li- one panel were there huge lines for all the panels
0: yeah i mean i got there and i went immediately to the bioshock uh panel so that Excellent. was at noon i ended up getting getting there hung out for a little bit and then got in line for that
1: cool awesome all right so uh before we get into that john uh you know we did this a couple weeks ago for uh for South by Southwest. We're gonna do a little PAXE, a little personal arrogance Exhibition Experience Awards uh for PAX East twenty thirteen. So um right uh so right now we're gonna start with the category fan favorite category weirdest thing, John. What was the weirdest thing from PAX twenty thirteen? Um I'm gonna have to say, I mean, there's a lot of the cosplaying going on.
0: There was a surprising number of, uh, cross-gender cosplaying. Uh-huh. Which was, which Ooh. threw me off a little bit. A lot of League of Legends stuff. But I'd say the weirdest was, yeah, lots of League of Legends stuff. But the weirdest was the, um, I, I don't know the guy's name from uh, Street Fighter, The Boxer. There was one guy walking around in full boxing gear, just underwear. That's it. Were they tight? With boxing gloves, helmet, and all that, that was probably the weirdest thing. And he would walk up to people and just start—he would just start boxing with people, like out of nowhere. Oh, did he punch? <laughs> was he punching people <laughs> did he in the face? Go to base? jail. <laughs> not not actually no, God no, not actually punching people. But uh, <laughs> no, he he would—he I think he thought he was in the game. To be completely honest, were they tidy whities No, they were like—I uh, mean, yeah—but they were red.
1: They were red. Okay. Was there any mammal too? Yeah. No. Oh God! No. Good.
2: (laughs) Wow you you would think he would wear boxers,
0: right? You would have thought so, but you know, it was it was very revealing costume. Yeah he 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 went for it. So (laughs) he did, and and it was appreciated. A lot of people were uh, I think a lot of people got kind of into it, which was uh, bizarre to say the least.
1: That rule, So I guess that goes right into uh, the next category, John, which is going to be best cosplay. So what was the best cosplay of uh, Apex twenty uh, thirteen? Um,
0: see, it, I saw two that that stick out. Uh, you guys are familiar with Mass Effect, right? Of course. Right. So there, there was somebody dressed up as uh, Samaras from Mass Effect, the mm-hmm. uh, blue chick. Great. With like, she dyed her her all of her skin blue. Like and she had the um like the squid things on the head. It was it was a pretty legit costume with uh complete with a prop gun and all that. I would say that if that was up there along with a uh female Ezio oh. from uh the upcoming uh Assassin's Creed four, I wanna say.
1: The pirate one? Black flag. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: for pure effects I would definitely say the uh Samara was top notch. It looked like it was professional, but uh I, I, yeah, I think we'd have to give it to Samara.
1: Alright. Well, so she actually dyed her skin? Yeah, it looks like she used, um, body paint or something uh-huh. on
0: like her whole chest and neck area. Right. And even like her entire face. And then it, it got like the darker blue at the top where the, um, the, the lines are and, uh, even had all like the fate the the red, I don't know what to call them on her face. But she went full out like, professional makeup
1: that's great and she really doesn't have to worry about it smudging because of the hover arm problem right <laughs> yes. Most nobody's going to be touching her ever
0: <laughs> no there's there's a lot there's a lot of hover hand going on so good
1: good we we like it that way um yeah. all right john what was the best swag of pax east 2013
0: so i guess all right so i got a bunch of stuff. I just actually went through it to try to
1: sort it out. There was a lot of t-shirts. Good. So you you, you went full you went full swag fest for this, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They are all well, they basically throw the stuff at you when you walk past How the How many shirts? Um four? Oh, pretty oh, okay. good. So pretty good. I got See, I got a new egg shirt. Mhm. Um basically it says go ahead and review me on uh the front and on the back it says take it from a geek with the uh, little logo. Um, I spent some time at the video booth to take a look at their... Uh, it's called The Shield, the new handheld system they're coming out with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. No. Oh, all right. Well, that's that was one of the best in the show that I was going to talk about a little bit. but uh, Don't, I got don't, a shirt from don't them. spoil it. You have to no say spoilers. spoilers,
1: John. You're going to spoil the show.
0: <laughs> um, I got a Watchdogs t-shirt for that
1: game. Oh, cool.
0: Which was uh, pretty cool. But I I think the best uh swag was from the Think Geek booth. Mhm. They had a Portal 2 plush toy of uh the little uh the little guy with the four legs. Oh cool. That they gave out. Wow. Yeah, it's battery powered. I haven't got batteries in it what? yet, but uh, yeah, I think it talks or something. Wow. It will shoot so, you with a laser. Yeah. And then uh there was like Cards Against Humanity booster packs, stuff like that, but yeah. um one of the other cool things I saw was The Last of Us, the game that came out. They had foam bricks. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get one of
1: those, but they were passing out foam bricks with little smiley that's faces hilarious. on it. That's hilarious. That's pretty cool. People so throwing them at each other.
0: Uh, no, these are. I mean, these are solid bricks. They were. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not actual brick, but they they probably
1: would have hurt. They had some heft to them. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, that's exciting. But, so I yeah, I, the. I, I want to get. Thing was pretty cool. Oh, cool, cool. I I want to get right into uh, best in show, John. Since you already jumped the gun. And you're already teasing it. Uh, What what was the best in show of PEX East 2013?
0: Well, I got some uh, playtime on the NVIDIA Shield, Mm -hmm. which is, it's like a handheld that they've got for, um, I think it plays Steam games, as well as stuff from their own uh, marketplace, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, that was a blast. The line for that was pretty long. Um, We played some Borderlands on it. Oh, cool! And they also had Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Wow, which is pretty cool. I didn't get a chance on that. Um, but the screen looks fantastic. It was, uh, and you can, I guess, stream it to uh, HDTV and just use that as like a controller, which was very cool. That's crazy. Yeah, it's um like a probably a five five to seven inch screen. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was 720p so it was HD. Uh it looked
1: fantastic. So have you seen the Wii U controller? Yes. What's how would you compare it in size to that? Um well it's a little
0: different. It's honestly it's like an Xbox controller with a uh-huh.
1: screen on top. Oh okay. Is
0: what the the shield looks like. Cool. So I mean it's got the two little um the two Joysticks and then a regular D-pad and then the four regular buttons as well, mm-hmm. and then it's got some additional stuff and uh, speakers built in, so, so you can either use it by itself or stream it to a TV, which was fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. What what was the whole motivation behind them trying to get into the console game? Because you think NVIDIA, you think uh, video cards. Did I honestly,
0: I have no idea. We didn't really. I didn't get a. They were rushing people through, so yeah. you didn't really get too much of a chance to talk to them. But. um they're saying that they're aiming to release it by the end of uh, quarter two, so next couple months. Cool. That's oh. really cool. Yeah, so yeah. I'd, I'd never heard of it and just sort of happened to walk past into uh, into a relatively short line. It was about 40 minutes
1: to play. That's interesting because it's weird how, like, right now we might be in a new little console revolution. I think maybe Steam has, mm-hmm. Steam has kind of inspired this, but we talked about the Ouya on here. Uh, a couple weeks ago which is a uh, an android based um streaming game system and then uh you know nvidia coming out with a with a handheld console it's really interesting how uh you know other companies are trying to get in the game now
0: yeah it's and i like that it's uh it goes with steam which is fantastic yeah. cuz it'll give you that chance um and i think it ran on some sort of android operating system based on what i saw but
1: Cool. I haven't found too much information on it, but keep an eye out. That's awesome. So, John, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the PAXies with everyone's favorite award. What was the worst in show of PAX 2013?
0: Well, is in in regards to the games, I would say I, there was no Bioshock in Infinite playable demo.
1: What? Yeah,
0: How that, that I even could possible? not find one. I went
1: to the panel. The, so the PAX is PAXies is three days before the game comes out, and they don't have a playable demo. I.
0: I went to the panel, I found the booth. As far as I saw, there was no playable demo of the game.
1: Wow, and they didn't have a playable demo at PAX Prime last year either. So nobody's gotten their hands on this game. So, I
0: mean, they they answered a lot of questions about it in the panel, but mm-hmm. um as far as that, no, there was <clears throat> there was nothing
1: interesting. Well, that is but, this that's that's a big letdown.
0: Yeah, and I mean, outside of that, the lines like you guys said, I'm I'm happy I didn't Planned too much because I waited for the pan- for the Bioshock panel probably two three hours. Wow! And I mean that was with you could see kids getting kicked out with fake tickets too. So so really wow yeah there was a lot like people were getting stopped when I was walking in the door there was a lot of uh, fake passes. Really yes, that's Good. really were they like
2: obviously fake?
0: Um, well, some of for the passes this year, um, I guess it had uh, like a little holographic part on it. Uh-huh. That was a little different, so they went a little more secure with the passes, but they were still pretty easily fakeable.
3: Mm-hmm. But um, huh. yeah,
0: they would they would take kids at the door and uh, try to shine like a flashlight through it or something along those lines. And it, wow. it, the ones that got thrown out that I saw were very fake. Oh, super! I've fake. never
2: seen that before.
0: But uh, yeah, some of the enforcers were talking. Uh, I was in line, obviously, had a chance to talk to them, and they said, "Yeah, there's a lot of fake. They've actually planned on." A thousand, even more than a thousand fake passes every year, and that's why they sell less and less.
3: Wow, that's so
1: well, that doesn't seem to be that wouldn't help the problem. You think they'd sell more so that there are more real passes and they're making more real money? Well, I think what happened was um,
0: the fire department oh. has a pretty tight hold on them, so if they end up selling more passes and then they don't anticipate the fakes, they'll get uh, shut down. Well,
1: wow, that's super weird. Wow. <laughs> So John, you were so, only there for one day. How how many hours were you there? I got there at 7 and left
0: at 1 a.m. 1 morning.
1: Cool. Did you do so, uh, were you able to do any board gaming or any PC free play or anything that wasn't just like a whirlwind? I know it's really tough in one day.
0: Yeah, I mean I spent a lot of time trying to get into the Diablo on PS3. Uh-huh. Um, and then besides that, I played a little bit of magic on garbage cans because there weren't enough tables,
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> which was fun. Uh, I played one game of settlers and just basically spent a lot of time just hanging out, playing, uh, there's some cards against humanity going on cause they gave out a lot of free, uh, packs yep. for that. But, um, I left, I got some dinner, hung out with
1: a couple of people out, So huh. it wasn't too hectic. So was it a little overwhelming? I mean, Jesse and I haven't been to a, our first PAX in like over 10 years now, or I guess about 10, about a decade since we went to our first PAX. So I I don't necessarily even remember my first PAX. I don't, I don't, I didn't know what to expect. And then I've, you know, we both kind of seen it grow over the years, but what was it like going in there? Was it a little bit of sensory overload?
0: Um, a little bit. I mean, it was wall to wall people when I got out of the Bioshock panel. So, uh-huh. I, I got there really early, so there wasn't that many people around. So, when I got out of the panel, it was like, you walked out into the bright sun, and you're just like, oh my god.
3: <laughs> and,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I took your, I'd heard about it from you guys, I'd read up about it, just sort of to see what was going on. So, I didn't plan on being able to move around too easily, but, yeah, there was certainly a lot more stuff there than I anticipated. I had, uh, this is actually the first time I'd ever been to the convention center, even.
1: So yeah, well, you can also always just crowd surf if it gets <laughs> too too dense.
0: Yeah, it, it was almost at that point. I mean, some of the lines <laughs> were they were very condensed down. They had um like not the turnstile, but the the ropes to keep mm-hmm. people separated from the walkways and all that. But yeah. There, there was enough Eric, people at the Enforcers were going around pushing people to stay in lines.
1: Jeez. well,
2: Yeah, they, they enjoy doing that. Eric, I think you stumbled upon the perfect cosplay for you and me next year. What is it? You'll be the silver surfer.
1: Uh-huh.
2: I'll be your surfboard. <laughs> I crowd surf and you stand on my stomach.
1: <laughs> Jesse, I think you should be a surfboard. I might crush you.
2: Uh well you would be a longboard I don't
1: know if that fits in the <laughs> canon. Yeah, I Silver Surfer has a longboard, doesn't he? It's kind of a longboard. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, well, John, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast this uh, this uh, this this year and and tonight, and uh, we uh, we really appreciate it because we wanted to go to Pax East, but it just didn't work out this time. So, um, you know we we always uh we always appreciate the feedback that you give us on. On everything we do, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on the cast tonight. It's good to hear your voice, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, guys. Hopefully, uh, you'll make it out here next year. Hopefully. Thank you, John. Thank you, PAX East. My favorite thing about PAX East being over is that PAX tickets will go on sale soon. So, oh, God. I know. I,
2: I'm i so bummed out. Why? Because this is the first packs I've missed in nine years.
1: Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous, dude.
2: This is like my grateful dead that I follow <laughs> around the country, you know?
1: Well, you know, Jesse, you have a baby and it just screws everything up.
2: Yeah. Word to the wise on that one, guys
1: <laughs> now you can't go to packs, you just have to enjoy your beautiful daughter for the rest of her life,
2: yeah, now, my amazing daughter, who I get <laughs> to enjoy every day, is all that I get to appreciate
1: great job anyway, <laughs> anyway sarcastic humor for for those who can't tell what sa- sarcasm is Jesse, what's your second topic this week?
2: um well. There's an interesting trend that's coming out of the Detroit Free Press uh-huh that I, I, um, I've learned that craft beer has officially replaced wine uh-huh. as the drink young women prefer.) <laughs>
1: interesting.
2: So, that's for really basic, interesting. Yeah, for years, mm-hmm. um beer has been the average person in America's drink of choice, but only recently has it become the drink of choice for young women. Yeah. According to a, a 2012 Gallup poll. Wow. So, th- it's really exciting and um I uh it, last summer Um, there was basically like a a group of young people, uh, checking out the brewery where I work at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the brewers asked, like, uh, I don't even remember if that's exactly the context, but, uh, one of the brewers asked like a younger lady, like, what was her favorite drink? And she said an IPA and she was just like some like pretty well off a young woman from New York and uh-huh. you wouldn't ex- exactly expect that to be an IPA but right the craft the craft beer uh market has saturated or
1: you know yeah it's it's gotten... maybe
2: saturated saturated is not the right word but you mm-hmm. know it's become so popular that people who might not have previously been you know pinpointed as craft beer drinkers are becoming known as craft beer drinkers that's, and that's awesome especially young so people and especially women and that's great to hear
1: it is good to hear I, there's a couple things that I think that beer has a lot going for it that uh, that has been kind of hidden like I think there's a, the there's a reason why a lot of people drink beer in my opinion is I mean not only I, I love the taste of beer Um but the fact is, like, if you want to get drunk off a of beer, you kind of got to work at it. Like, unless yeah. you're drinking like really high alcohol beers, like, uh, yeah, you got to really put beer, in the work to get drunk on just your standard beers. You know?
2: Yeah. When I think of beer, I don't, I don't really think of something that people drink to get drunk.
1: Right. Whereas wine, I get full. wine is kind of in that yeah. category. You know, wine'll
2: uh, knock you on your ass. Yeah, you know, at twelve percent, you know, right. it's easy to get a ten percent beer. Obviously, yeah. you know, even a twelve percent beer—that's you know, kind of standard imperial mm-hmm. territory, which is the same as wine. So it, it's not like it's hard to find beer that is as strong as wine. But right. um, but
1: if you're looking to spend eight bucks at the supermarket for a six pack. <laughs> you're you're not going to be getting anything that's over, like, 6.5%. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. And, you know, a manageable thing. And you'd have to, like, pound through that, and right. you're going to get full, you're going to have to go pee, mm-hmm. and it's just not the practical way to get buzzed.
1: Exactly. So I, I think that's... I honestly think that's a good thing. Like, you know... I agree. The, the whole, you know, if you're going to drink cocktails or if you're going to drink wine, I could just... I just think you're going to get drunk way faster than if you're drinking beer. The second part that makes this great is obviously more people drinking craft beer is, is a good thing. You know, right now we're in a craft beer boom, and there's craft breweries just popping up left and right. Um, but I think that this, I think that the demand is there that there's still, that the market isn't saturated by these guys yet. What do you think? Because you work at a craft brewery, so
2: uh, what do I think about market saturation? Market
1: saturation, yeah.
2: Um, I we're not there yet, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely where I work, uh, like on the Olympic Peninsula, not even close to market saturation. In places like Seattle,
1: uh-huh.
2: maybe getting there. I mean, there's like there's like eleven breweries in Ballard
1: yeah. alone. Yeah, there's like three that opened up in like the last three months.
2: Yeah. But, you know, that being said, more and more people are getting more and more interested in going, literally, like going to the brewery to buy their beer to uh-huh. get it as fresh as possible and being able to communicate it with the people who make it. And uh, as that market keeps growing, like we've mentioned before, 6% of the beer market is craft. Right. in the US right now, which is a pretty low number. Yeah. So as long as that number if that goes up to seven percent, like that's a huge leap. Right. That's a, a what, twelve percent, fourteen percent leap. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, twelve percent or fourteen percent more room for extra breweries. Yeah. So I don't I I don't think market saturation is that big of a
1: deal. Yeah, I mean say it blew up, say uh you know, craft brewing jumped to 12 percent of the overall beer sold in the u.s that would be you'd still need twice as many breweries as you have now to, yeah to make if it... it
2: if it if the if it jumped up to 12 percent and mm-hmm. you know assuming that beer consumption in uh in total remained the same yeah and uh the craft the demand for crafts beer if it went up to eight percent i don't think there would be enough beer to supply that
1: yeah this is really i yeah. think we
2: would run out of craft beer
1: <laughs> so the other thing that I've, the other thing that i've noticed you know living in seattle i think you're a little spoiled um here at the hotel i'm staying on in palm springs they actually have a really good craft beer selection california has you know a solid craft beer heritage as well right. um But, like, you know, when we went out east to Boston, I was expecting, you know, this is the land of Sam Adams. There's got to be a lot of craft beers here. And you you were hard-pressed to find craft beers on tap in the the northeast.
2: Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's just dominated by Boston Beer Company and Harpoon. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely growing there. And I think we were just in the wrong places, too.
1: Yeah, that's true. The, the, like, the Cheers Bar like, is probably not the place to point Yeah,
2: I feel like if someone came from <laughs> New England to yeah. the type of places that we were, you know, the touristy places that yeah. we were at in Seattle, they would also be greeted with some I, crappy I, selection.
1: They would, but I don't know. I mean, anywhere you go in Seattle, you're going to have Pyramid on tap or you're going to have Alaskan on tap or you're going to have, like there's, these aren't like super niche uh breweries, but you're still going to have some craft beers on tap no matter where you go in seattle I yeah don't think well you...
2: pyramid and alaskan are our versions of sam adams and harpoon yeah I and guess. wicked cap or whatever it's called
1: <laughs>
2: strange hat what is it twisted hat
1: i don't know i like wicked cap
2: magic hat <laughs> it's magic hat yeah
1: same diff uh yes. the, so the other thing that i've noticed is that do you think that so, I mean, Portland has become a very interesting city since Portlandia got released, though everybody kind of knew Portland was kind of hipsterville before that, but Portlandia put it on a national stage, and right. like now, even like this season i was I just was just watching cable for the first time in a very long time here in the hotel room. This season of the real world takes place in Portland, Oregon, which oh, is yeah? crazy, yeah, so is like.
2: It- What's, it, what's
1: that like? I don't know. I, th- I think it just premiered, but um, oh, I, was just watching, watch no, I was watching the commercials for it. Uh, uh, but I think the Portlandization of the nation kind of has something to do with it because, I mean, obviously amongst nerds, beer has become a very a very popular drink. Uh, like I look at my friends who are nerds from across the country and everybody loves beer. I think playing into it like you could sit down and play a game and you could drink beer the entire time you're playing and not get schnockered uh uh-huh. which is good um you can also you know there's a lot of uh different varieties it's a good nerdy drink it's a good thing to get into like if you're a geeky guy you can get into beer it could be one of your geek slices no prob
2: yeah there's there's a lot of options
1: right but then there's also the hipster Geeks view. like options exactly but then there's also the hipster view of it now. I think that hipsters also really love beer.
2: Hipsters love beer, but they don't love beer in a way that's quite as beneficial to... um Craft breweries? Breweries. Yeah. Because when it comes to hipsters, there's, there's a term in the beer industry the, and the beer culture called tickers.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, and these are people who are trying to rack up their number of beers tried. Right. So they're just ticking off beers. So like they'll drink a beer just because they haven't tried it yet. Uh And then once they've tried it, you know, they're done with it and they just want to move on to the next one. So like there's no brand loyalty there. They're just moving on for the more and more niche and more and more harder to find, more exclusive brands. Mm -hmm. And like this is – these are topics that have been covered in like uh big beer articles uh, um periodicals rather. Yep. It, uh, is this idea and this this is stuff coming out of Portland like getting more and like people getting more and more niche and just trying to find the most new and uh radical brews. And <clears throat> the fact of the matter is is like if you want to survive as a brewery you need established customers that want to have your drink over and over again you know yeah like if you're trying to sell beer you don't want to sell beer to people who are just going to have it once never drink it again and there's this trend that's developing and I think it is kind of a hip story thing that like I've had this beer and this beer and this beer and I've I've tried all these beers <laughs> and I've tried all these beers you've never heard of. Yeah. You know, and I tried these beers before it was cool, right? And that that does not help the industry at all because that's well, that's not really a customer.
1: But you need those people reaching out their tentacles into the smaller breweries in order for those breweries to get that street cred. So right, I that's... but
2: they try that brewery and then move on. Yeah, you know. Well, uh, but I'm just looking
1: There's... at this. I'm looking at I'm looking at nerds. I'm looking at hipsters, and if you look at that, like that's a pretty big chunk of your demographic of young people. And those are also yeah. your influencers of young people. You know, when you look at who's using social media and who's uh, taking advantage and broadcasting what they want to say out to people, it's basically nerds that's and true. hipsters. So if nerds and hipsters are drinking beer, then young people are going to be drinking beer. It's, it's really, really yeah. interesting. I know when I was like in high school, like a lot of people were drinking wine because of sex in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little weird. Uh... Yeah,
2: beer is doing really well right now. Craft beer is doing really well. And it's it. I, it's really up to the brewers to maintain the interest of the population.
1: You yeah. know,
2: to keep doing good stuff.
1: Well, keep doing good stuff. That's what I want. But I'll, but I'll also drink Takata <laughs> on a hot day. All right, Jesse, let's go ahead and move on. Um, before we do I recos. Will never
2: disparage. Never disparage a, a a good Rainier or Tecate or Corona on a hot day. Oh yeah, it's just perfect. It's just perfect.
1: Put a lime in it. Uh, before we uh, get on to our um, breccos, call it a cast. We're gonna do our Facebook roundup uh, every week. We post on uh, Facebook and we uh, ask you what you want us to talk about this week. Dennis Kleibach wants us to talk about Bioshock Infinite. Unfortunately, I've been on my honeymoon, but this is a game that I really want to pick up. Uh, everybody's talking about it. Um, you know, John O'Brien said he didn't get to play it at PAX East, which I think is really weird that they didn't have playable stuff. At that PAX East. is bizarre. Why would you. It, it's, it's literally like. That a few almost days.
2: makes me seem skeptical.
1: But Polygon said that it was an amazing game, and all the reviews coming out are saying it's really, really an amazing game. So. I want to play I, it.
2: I I really trust Polygon, so
1: yeah. And I and I also just love Ken Levine. I love uh, Bioshock is one of my you love Ken favorite Levine game. cuisine. Love Ken, Le- Ken Levine all cuisine. You, eat. you have to use the giant steampunk uh, oven to cook it, but it is worth it. Um, so uh, so we'll let you know. Um, how about some Game of Thrones to talk? Uh, that's Sean Chriswell. How about some games of Games of Thrones to talk? <laughs> <I can't. laughs> hey, I'm a Mario If I could to speak uh, uh, How about that? Why don't you go listen to the Night's Watch Because guess what guys uh, We have a whole podcast We have a dedicated whole podcast dedicated On the Bald Move Network um, God, the Night's Watch is coming up uh, Game of Thrones Premieres on Sunday uh, Everybody's stoked about it So please uh, be sure That you are subscribed to the Night's Watch They are much more qualified than we are to talk of such things um, Ben Hall wants to talk about Disney Infinity and Michael Coffey sent us a link about it this is so cool but this is something I want to bring up on a future cast so I'm going to go ahead and table this discussion because I think it's something that we could definitely dedicate a whole segment to Beth Ann says so it seems superheroes are the topic of choice lately well I for one would like to know what super villain each of you would be use, uh, would be using a personal trait to correlate with and why so uh, Lydia brought this up. You know, I'm a big fan of of, uh, of the octopus, of the great uh, Great Pacific octopus. You can hear more Eric, about that. Yes, I,
2: I like where you're going with this, mm-hmm. but I think it would make much more compelling. Uh, podcast. If you chose my oh characteristic, and I chose your characteristic,
1: all right. Uh, well, in that case, you know, when I think of you, Jesse, I think of a uh, a ginger. Uh, <laughs> I think of an Australian. Uh, uh-huh. Um, and that's that's basically all I think about. So those two things, it has to be Captain Boomerang from the Flash. And also an original member of the Suicide Squad.
2: That just it,
1: Captain Boomerang.
2: Screams Sunburn.
1: Yeah, it totally is, man.
2: Ginger's in Australia.
1: Yes. And Captain Boomerang is a ginger from Australia. He throws boomerangs at the flash. He's also an original member of the Suicide Squad. And he's one of he's probably top three of my favorite D C villains. So you're you're top three of my favorite podcast hosts that I host with. So, uh oh, massive get... insult. <laughs> well, I mean, John O'Brien really did a good job this week. Yeah, um, it's, it's true. So, uh, damn it, John. So, Jesse, you're definitely Captain Boomerang. Who am I?
2: Okay. Um. Well, I think of you. You're a very charismatic guy. Oh, thank you. You're you're good at your accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're just you're a very personable guy. I think. If you harness that charisma in an evil way, I think you're Red Skull.
1: Oh, God. That is rough. Uh, And then who would be our nemesis? Uh, Jesse, I think it's pretty obvious that your nemesis would be... uh...
2: Anyone who's English.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking um, Silver Surfer because he's basically intergalactic and oh, pfft,
2: whatever i want to be silver surfer for pax
1: well the problem is he's 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 flying through space he is completely reflective which means that he'll intensify the sun's rays on your body and then you'll be burned to a crisp mm, because of your gender I, don't,
2: I, I do not like that
1: yeah who would my nemesis be
2: i don't know churchill <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about captain america <laughs> Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God. Uh, Alright, and then uh, James Patterson said enjoyed the Squid versus Whale discussion. Would totally listen to Eric and Jesse to talk about crap about the Animal Kingdom cast. Eric, did you do Fantasy Baseball this year yet? Uh, i uh, I got my auto draft coming up on Saturday. I'm very excited about it. Uh, and uh, Jesse's sister is actually, she's a loyal listener and she also... What?
2: She chimed in?
1: No, uh, but she, your sister, is like the the wildlife person. Oh yeah, maybe we could get her involved somehow in a in an animal cast. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, John O'Brien uh, let us know that uh, Activision. Um, I watched a video of this uh, weird uh, video that they released. Um, it was part of the Game Developers Conference where they showed super high res graphics that were like basically photorealistic. The creepy uncanny valley is uncanny. It is weird and I don't like it. Let's stylize these people.
2: Dude. I looked at it that too and I I kind of thought about the uncanny valley, but I wasn't actually that turned off by it.
1: Yeah, I, I was. could totally
2: embrace that. Yeah. I I wasn't weirded out at all.
1: I don't like it. I don't like it one bit.
2: I don't think it's far enough down the uh down the valley for me to really wig out yet. All right. I don't think it – I I only think, like, when I literally cannot tell the difference between a human and a robot or a computer-generated image that I would really get the Uncanny Valley Syndrome.
1: It's pretty close, though. Uh, I don't know. With that old
2: dude, you can tell. You can tell with the old dude. The, yeah. Well, the, the lady was pretty on the nose. Yeah. But still, I, I wasn't, like, freaked out. <laughs>
1: Well, that's good, Jesse. You're you're primed for the future. Um, and then I just want to give an update on the personal arrogance bracket challenge set up by Roger Doty. Um I last week I was in first place. Now I am in eighth place out of nine. Um the only person that I am ahead of is uh Roger Dotsy.
2: <laughs> oh it's Roger Dotsy, what happened?
1: I don't know. Three of my four final four guys got knocked out pretty early. Uh, I had mm-hmm. Wisconsin, VCU, and Butler. They're all gone. Uh, Louisville's still in there. They are my champion. Um, I believe they're Rogers' champion as well. Uh, but uh, I think I'm on the fast road to decline here because, well, Roger also has three of his final four out. Um, yeah, wow, that's a lot of red on your bracket there. Uh, Roger. Yeah,
2: that's not a good sign.
1: But uh, everybody's also very excited about fantasy football, so we'll be uh, we'll be talking more about that in the future. Um, just want to give a shout out to Bald Move Network. Of course, the Watching Dead is out. Uh, of course, the Bald Move TV Podcast is out. And of course the Because Show is out. Um, up Years Downstairs is out. And as we mentioned before, the Night's Watch will be coming up very soon with Game of Thrones premiering on Sunday. Please go to baldmove.com, check out everything. You can get in touch with us. Send us an email, personal arrogance at gmail.com. Go on our Facebook page. We got our Facebook page for personal arrogance. We got our Facebook page for a Bald Move, or you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail three six Oh three six two zero zero two four. 362 0024. Do want to give a shout out to Sean Criswell and it looks like a husband and wife team Amy Bonjon, Jacina, and Mike Jacina, probably Hasina. I don't know, I can't read correctly. Um, but thank you so much for liking us on Facebook. Jesse, let's do some recommendations to call it a cast. What do you say? Yes. Cool. What's your first reco? Uh,
2: I can't actually remember if I recommended this or not. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I maybe have, in which case it's a double reco. Russia's yep. toughest prisons. Uh huh. On Netflix. I, not, they, uh, I don't think you recommended this. It's a su- sweet documentary about prisons in Russia. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, And then uh, I'm going to recommend, I think I recommended this, then I de-recommended it. Now I'm re-recommending it. And that's the Roku box. Because the Roku box is super portable. And uh, you could take it with you on vacation. We brought it here and basically you have an on-demand slash pay-per-view right in our hotel room that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, Nice. It's great. Yeah, it works perfectly. So uh, take your Roku on vacation. <laughs> Definitely do that. Do that. <laughs> what's uh? What's your seco? My
2: my my seco reco is just make your own spaghetti sauce, guys.
1: Just do it.
2: It's not that hard. I uh you, you, I made
1: my spaghetti re- sauce. You really sounded like Steve Brule there. Hey,
2: hey Dumbo. <laughs> just make if you don't have a date for the prom. Just take your own girlfriend. <laughs> just take your sister. Um, so I threw in some meat, cooked the meat, you uh-huh. know, ground beef. Yep. And then, you know, with some onion. And then basically if you throw in some garlic, cook the garlic, and then put in a, like, just ch- dice up some tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be real, you know, fine with the cutting up the tomatoes. Throw that in the pan. It all, like, kind of melts together and makes an awesome spaghetti sauce. Don't be a slave to Ragu.
1: You sound like Steve Brule so much right now. Hey,
2: dingus, biggest your old spaghetti sauce <laughs> for your health.
1: For your health. Uh and then my psycho reco this week is gonna be the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs, is where we're staying. It's super cool, man. It's got a great pool, it's got a great bar. We did karaoke on Tuesday night, but uh but it's a very hip place to stay um so ace hotel if you're gonna be in palm Springs, stay there there are ace hotels around the country if you want to impress your friends stay at the ace uh i really should have got them to sponsor this cast or something but anyway yeah you
2: probably could have gotten like free towels or
1: something free towels daily ace hotel (laughs) um daily delivered to your (laughs) bathroom yep (laughs) all right uh so that's our cats for this week Uh, i want to thank john o'brien for coming on want to thank dennis klein thank you so much want to thank crunchy uh just want to thank all of our listeners you guys all rule um and uh please stay in touch with us because our show only gets better when you're a part of it uh jesse thank you for being on the cast uh lydia thank you for letting me be on the cast and we like to remind you that wherever you go
2: and whatever you do
1: please Stay, Stay arrogant.
2: Arrogant. <laughs>